My name's Maya Billick. We're on mornings and I'm joined by two friends, which means it's time for a little bit of movies, movies, movies. Mm. Welcome to movies, movies, movies. Jen, Andre, welcome. Hello, friends. Oh, ho, ho. Hey, Jenny. It's the happiest season. So I wanted to start today's episode with a discussion on the returns, the Twin Peaks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do not worry. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm stuck inside a Jean-Marc Vallée flashback right now. It's because I was listening to a podcast yesterday uh, featuring three Americans talking about season three of Twin Peaks, and they were really going hard into a discussion about uh, relating to suburbia in Twin Peaks. Which is really strange for us because we don't live in America and we definitely don't live in Twin Peaks. But there must be audiences that watch Twin Peaks and go, whoa, that is my childhood being messed with in a different dimension. I feel that in the way that like you escape summer to enter like a snowy suburb totally. in America during that this season. But I, I also feel like so few conversations about Australia-set dramas end up with audiences being like, wow, I could really relate to the east, eastern suburbs in Love My Way, but maybe that's just because we don't watch a lot of Australian drama. Mm, that could be true. Yeah. Say one good thing about what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wish I knew the street names of Australian places as well as I do those of New York. Mm. Oh, that's a skill. Mm. Yeah. But I will say the film that I'm reviewing today, Happiest Season, starring Kristen Stewart and um, head actress Mackenzie Davis, uh does have really great street names. It's probably the only amazing thing about the movie is, you know, there's street names called Beaver Street. There's a a, a bar that's, like, stereotypically bad called Freddy's. I love that about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the set design. Just thinking, oh, my God, we need to just have one moment where we F with the audience. <laughs> yeah. Let's call this bar Freddy's. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be reviewing another fake set Oh, yes. Show. We, we Are Who We Are, which is the Luca Guadagnino vehicle for HBO that is set on an American military base in Italy that was built completely in the eyes of an American military base. So two kind of fake American colonial Christmas uh, subversive, uh, mm. you know... Seems like it was relevant latte. for me to talk about Twin Peaks season three. I'm kidding. Yeah, I feel like it's the most relevant thing you could talk about. Let's go into a sting. So I was going to say, on, on that, you know what to expect over the next half hour. So let's get into some movie news. Movie news. That's gossip. Okay, so... What's the latest? the cue card, Adelaide Bourne musician, come director, Sia Furler, is embroiled this week in an online campaign against her new film, Music, which features Maddie Ziegler. Yeah, and she's been called out for casting Maddie Ziegler from the Chandelier video as the film's autistic protagonist, even though she doesn't have autism. This comes off the back of uh, what Maya was pointing out just before this news. Yes, um, you can't see, but I'm gritting my teeth a lot. This does come very close in time to the flack that Anne Hathaway was copying for her character's uh, choice of deformities, I want to say, in The Witches, which was very poorly timed, very insensitive. Also, the book just had, like, they already had a different 
Like they had square toes yeah, in the original just, book. Like, like just, could they just run with that? Just square not toes? necessary. Yeah. How do you have a square toe? Well, I mean, I wondered that too. I never. Mm. You never get to see it. You just see them in socks in the original movie. Mm. So back to the news. Sia is online. I really love deflecting from cancelling Adelaidean, but um, <laughs> we have to get back. We to have it. to get back we to, have to have it. We have a job. We do. She's been deflecting and double downing on her choice of casting Maddie <sighs> and sending out some extreme tweets in response to this <laughs> criticism. <laughs> You're just a bad actor. Which is a really interesting thing to point out when someone from the community made all these claims about actors that were available to shoot the film. Her replying, "You're just a bad actor," I think speaks to her. Her like um. I'd call it artistic inquiry into performance and acting as someone who has an album called This Is Acting and whose entire shtick is that she wasn't able to perform the roles that the music industry in LA was yeah. expecting of her. So she hid behind a mask, hid behind superstars, song wrote, and then created this like persona that was out of the spotlight um, because she wasn't able to fill that role. And I wonder if that played into her thinking when writing music Um there's a there's a discussion in here somewhere, but I don't quite know how to get to it. I think it, it help me out here, Jen, please. I'm stumbling. Well, she did she did say that she did say that her f- favorite movie or the type of movie that she loves that she doesn't get to see anymore is What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So I feel like that kind of says it all. Oh, I thought you were gonna say um, I Am Sam. Oh, which I've never seen. But like distressing. Mm. Distressing. A little bit, but also. I I heard that she was doubling down, saying that the environment wasn't going to be suitable, and it was like, in not in these words exactly, but basically making the claim it was going to be too much work. Yeah, right. Yeah. And too overwhelming. Oh, Lame. See us. Yeah. See We're not us, here see for us, that. We're not here for this on mornings. But I know. Text in if you've got opinions on this, or you've got more knowledge than we do. Because full transparency, Jen and I are basically begging to get an interview with Sia uh, to mark the release of the film. We want to hear her side of the story. But we also want to know from our listeners if we want to know what you guys want us to ask. If we got an interview with Sia, do you guys want us to to grill? To practice empathy, sympathy, how should we approach this? Should see us stick to just writing hooks. Mm. Because uh, part of me kind of feels like if given the opportunity, it'd be so appropriate for us to dig. But I wonder if we need to also see see a side of the story. And I wonder if a couple of tweets doesn't actually explain what she's going through. The whole discourse of four years of making a film. Exactly, yeah. You can't synthesise it. You can't synthesise it into a tweet. The discourse. No. Um, but then again, you know, she is struggling and I think she's made a lot of mistakes and we need to decide how we're going to play it, basically. How is the world going to well, play music? we need you to manifest for Jen and Andre this interview and manifest away to this much more uh, exhilarating uh, piece of music, Fiona Apple and Shamika together oh. on Shamika said, You're on Mornings, we're on Movies, Movies, Movies. I have 
Shamika said, Fiona Apple and Shamika right here. We're on mornings and this is movies, movies, movies. Shout out to Roz in Seatown who texted in to vote to practice empathy and understanding off the back of uh, Jen and Andre mentioning the whole Sia drama about, well, it's not drama, it's warranted, uh, about her movie in casting an able-bodied person to play an autistic character. But instead of harping on about it, we are going to go to two takes. Take two. All right, now, Andre, you were going first. Mm, I'm going to hop on about Luca Guadagnino, which I pretend to hate, but I also love doing. <laughs> I'm doing We Are Who We Are, the HBO show. All right, let's hear a little piece of it. I am he that aches with amorous love. Start over again, Caitlin. With a little more conviction. Don't be afraid of these words. Why are you following me? The stuff you wear isn't appropriate for what you're planning on doing. You don't know anything about me. I'm ready. No, you're not. And none of the stuff that you're thinking means anything anyway. Never kissed anyone before. I think they think we're weird. Does that bother you? What do you like about that boy? He understands me. 
We're gonna enter a dramatic pause right there. Oh my god, I was about slow to... trailer for a slow show. I was about to go sour on it, but now hearing the full trailer, I'm a bit like. Now I'm thinking in my mind, what does it say about an artist when you go from having Sufjan Stevens score a work to having Dev Hines score a work? Like, what does that progression indicate about a person? To be alone. Ooh. Anyway. With you. Anyway, so Sorry. we are who we are. Is eight apps that rock up uninvited on HBO. Ooh to teach us new things like what Demna Gvasalia is, how to spot apotheosis, how to function outside a fag-triarchy, but also still kind of be its underlying problem. It's directed by an Italian Birkenbag, Luca Guadagnino, and the show co-stars Chloe Sevigny. Like, no one has ever done it before. Just give her a lead role, you know what I'm saying? Enough Chloe Sev supporting characters. Is that mm. just me, Jen? Yeah, that's Hulu for you. That's Hulu Agree. culture. Anyway, she's an authentic lesbian commander-in-chief who uproots her queer son and girlfriend to Italy into an American army base to live the American army base life. With that... I guess I say good day to the white chicks who wore Emily Lestrange to embarrass by their urban cottagecore fashion, still reeling from the impact of Elio's world domination, to arrive here, spatially, where sacrosanct ideas retire, the HBO miniseries, aka the premium economy lounge of a midlife gap year, to the place where eat happens. And the note I'm going to end on is that We Are Who We Are is a show for straight white chicks who have an opinion on early Tame Impala EPs and that Luca Guadagnino is starting beef with me yet again by being successful, happy, desirable, booked, especially through this frankly profound work about displaced white queers living overseas and throwing fashion vibes on foreigners' TM. I just want to clarify for the listeners that Andre is a straight white girl who has opinions on early Tame Impala EPs. Was that not obvious? Is that not obvious through everything <laughs> I say in my life? All my reviews are autobiographical. Andre loved to describe Tame Impala as obscure in the car on the weekend. That makes two of us. <laughs> that, thank you. I'm sorry, but that first EP... Obscure. Obscure. Um, Rob says, I wish that this show followed David Lynch's lead in Twin Peaks season three and just had a different band at the end of every episode. Yes. Mm, mm, I don't mm. know why more people haven't taken up that little motif, that little idea. I mean, it begs to, it begs the question, are we done with na- natu- natural nitty, nitty natural gritty realism in drama? Mm. And are we needing a surreal bent to be introduced, especially when we've seen so many narratives about quiet, meandering, yeah. bored teenagers. It's why I find Skin so revolutionary, because the kids in that show have dialogue, mm. they have slogans, yeah. they have catchphrases, they have personalities that are really vibrant and singular, and they have agency. Whereas I feel like in high art and high drama, we're often seeing people who are aimless and mm. on weed. I guess you've been such a proponent for slow cinema for so long. Like, you you really vibe on, like, Tobacco Yellow, Kiristami movies, mm. which is why I thought you'd like this more. And I you really hate, like, um, you know, flashback sequences 
like in Big Little Lies, but I'm kind of craving a movie that just is the skins intro for the whole film. Like, I don't want any naturalism. I just want montage. Like, what if there was the Big Little Lies flashback sequences for, like, ten episodes? Well, I just think that if I had to make a point about this show and its style is that it's in a harsh contrast to, um, I was about to say We Are Who We Are, but that's not the name of the other show, by Michaela Cole. I may destroy, oh, you, I may destroy you, which effortlessly blends surrealism and nightmarescapes with feeling ne- relevant, n- nitty gritty realism. <laughs> I'm with I'm with <laughs> hot dialogue. You love saying di- nitty gritty this week. It's just something that every critic has to say in order to be published, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but uh, do you know what I mean? It's this kind of assumption that every show needs to be about kids who don't know how to speak. But oh, I oh. think that's dishonest to the generation that they're trying to represent. I do agree. Watching like teenagers in film or in movies, I always have to catch myself thinking back if I was like that or, or like how much, I don't want to say developed, but how different like I was as a teenager and like the kind of thoughts and feelings and opinions that I was having never align. So what's on, what's on point for you? Like what's like warm and what's cold for you in terms um, of teenage representation? I guess like... I on, can answer that question for you. Uh, Andre, no, <laughs> you're, you're right. Like, so many people paint uh, teenagers, I think, as like four or five years younger than what they really are when they're not. Like, I remember already having opinions about like childbirth at 13 and what you wanted to do about it. Fully. That's why Skins is on point for me. But also some mm. people are just Agreed. gossip girls, you know? Mm. Yeah. I just think it's in, in the show, We Are Who We Are, the kids are supposed to be 14, but they're all played by actors pushing 20. And they act like they're pushing 20, but they're supposed to be 14, but they don't look 14 and they look like they're pushing 20 and they're not talking like they're 14. I think this is horses for courses. Also, Andre, I know you're you're like talking big and being mean about this show, but you spent a whole day like deep in your thoughts because of how cosmically aligned you felt to this show and how much you loved it and how cathartic it was for you. Because one last point I'm going to make is that Luca Guadagnino isn't a spiritual director and he's not interested in transcendence. He's only interested in realistic drama. So it can be overwhelming to watch his shows if you relate. You disagree. Yeah. I disagree. How is how is Uh-oh. any of his works evoking the transcendence that something like <sighs> don't make me say Gus Van Sant on there, but I'm going to say loves <laughs> fashion and fashion is spiritual. Fashion spiritual, hundred percent. Fashion is like a is like trying to ride the zeitgeist. You've heard it here first, folks. I'm uh, going to have to agree with Jen there. Okay, maybe I'm actually just so cl- clued out of what is spirituality, <laughs> and I just assume that it's eat, pray, love. <laughs> oh my god. On that, we are going to go into a little I just don't bit. see any difference between a Ryan Murphy drama and a Luca Guadagnino drama, except one has dialogue and one doesn't. Am I wrong or am I right? Please text in. On 0409-945-945. Give uh, Andre a little bit of confidence in his opinions, I think. Just give me confidence. And <laughs> also, I would love to hear from you if you escaped the heat this weekend and saw the only film it seems to be out right now, The Happiest Season, starring Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis as lesbians in a conservative Christmas setting and have any opinions on about it because I'm about to review it next. On that, we're going to go into Bay Bay with Do You Want Me? You're on Mornings.
Bebe with Do You Want Me from LA off the debut EP called Spiral. We're in Movies, Movies, Movies. I'm with Jen and Andre and it is time for Jen's cheeky review before we get into it. Is there anything you want to tease? Oh no, just that I'm doing Happier Season for all the Crisbians out there who love her and all her previous roles. Kristen Stewart's in a new Christmas movie and here's the trailer. And on that note, we're going to hear a chunk of it. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I get to go meet the people that made my favorite person. I'll always take December away over summer. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person and I really want everyone to know that. I want to marry her. What are you doing on your phone? I left a gentleman alone in my apartment, so I'm tracking him to make sure he leaves. You're tracking him? Yeah, I track everybody. If the NSA can do it, so can I. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm finally going to meet everyone. There's something that we should talk about. Hi! Hi. I didn't tell my parents. I'm gay. So who do they think I am? This is Harper's orphan friend, Abby. Yes, of course. They're there. You're so brave. You don't need to be. I cannot believe I've got all my daughters under one roof. So her parents believe their straight daughter brought home her lesbian friend for Christmas? Not exactly. They also think that I'm straight. Have they ever met a lesbian? This is why I avoid Christmas. It brings out the worst in everything. I've always skated circles around you. <laughs> I love it when they do this. You're such a cheater! Makes it so fun. No, Just be yourself. But don't lie. You're a very bad liar. Riley! Harper. This is Abby. Abby is my orphan roommate. We, I am an orphan, but we live together as friends. Um, like acquaintances. Oh, please stop. Yeah. Happiest season. It's a little bit of the trailer there for you, Jen. Take it away. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome back to summer, where I guess the favourite way to escape the heat is not to go to the beach, but to pay $20 to spend either an hour and a half or three hours, no in-between, to watch something that looks like a web series created by a panel of marketing strategists. Happy season could be assassination meets the act meets blue velvet, but it's trying to be a comedy for people who think Fifty Shades was risque and end up fe- ends up feeling a little bit more like Get Out. There is this like incessant Starbucks soundtrack, like Christmas playlist mm. throughout this movie, Andre. The dental drills like your temples the whole way through until you get a migraine. While Kristen Stewart is gaslit and manipulated by a hot cis queer tourist played by beige head actress Mackenzie Davis, who was in something you've seen before. I wish this was less dramedy and more just, like, comma. Is that, like, the opposite of dramedy? Because um, it's, like, the two main actresses in these Christmas movies bring the drama, and then all that's left for everyone else is a little D. This movie isn't sweet. This is a horror film. because Both because Kristen ends up staying with her psychopathic girlfriend at the end, and because the father who's caused so much trauma to his three daughters gets to be the hero by not erasing them so that he can be a conservative politician. And the best line in the film is, there's nothing more erotic than concealing your true identity by the GBF Dan Levy. In a dream world, Aubrey Plaza, who is amazing and in her prime in this film, runs away with Alison Brie and they get a hot Easter sequel to themselves where they save their mother from her manic Douglas Sirk existence. I feel like the editing and music choices were out of Clear Duval's hand and maybe someone at Hulu suddenly thought, oh my god, we can't have everything we make be good. So we need to take all the subversive subtext out of this film and make it relentlessly palatable, which ends up having the opposite effect on people who feel seen by the Aubrey and Kristen characters who have to go face the like conservative bigots in their hometown who make them want to die every single year of their lives. Andre, how did you feel watching this in the Christmas season? Mm. As a queer, as a single straight, not as a single straight, but as a straight white female who yeah. loves Tame Impala. Yeah, literally, as a fashion vibe, white chick queer, I was 
pleasantly surprised that I was in the cinema with what seemed like a birthday party of teenage boys oh my God. in front of us <laughs> who were answering their phones during the, the, the session. Hi, Mom. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in a movie. While there was like a lesbian blockbuster happening with Kristen Stewart and uh, an almost ensemble cast. So in my mind, I just think, okay, we have a studio film that's achieving that. That must mean something. But then at the same time, the conservative of the Republican parents have to accept their daughter's sexuality in the film without saying the word gay or lesbian, but talking about her truth or how she feels or her love. And just think, honestly, if you don't say the word, you don't mean the feeling. And that's kind of how I felt about this movie. Like, uh, the words weren't said, so the feeling wasn't there. No Love, Simon moments for you in this? Again, again, people crap on Love, Simon, but at least Love, Simon has... Dialogue. It has people being people that you want to watch, you know? I feel like there's this assumption that... Oh, I wanted the- to watch Aubrey Plaza in this. There's, like, a whole... There's so many, like, opportunities for a better film in this film, and they end up choosing the, like, scary Hollywood Christmas options, mm. and it actually makes the film really terrifying and haunting because you know how fake it is, and you can, like, really compare your own existence to, like, how the film plays out, and that just makes this an absolute horror film. When you're writing a film, I suppose there's so much thought or no, or no thought, but at least when you're writing a film, you have to describe the characters with words, and then I feel like your job is to convey what you're writing to the audience. Mm. But nothing's conveyed here about any person in this film other than they are in a are in a situation. And I just wish that I had known about them in a deeper way or in a better way because what was being shown of them was their worst side. Or at least their limper side. Go watch Personal Shopper. That's my favourite Christmas movie. I know. That if you want to talk is. about Christmas ghosts. I'm, also, Kristen Stewart does bite her lip a lot in this and I like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that Kristen Stewart would wear that much eye makeup all the time. I it's think just so shocking when you see, sh- like, the best actor of a generation do a film like this. Like, do you ever feel that? Like, when you see Isabel Huppert do... Okay, has Isabel Huppert ever done a film like this? But, like, I guess when you see, like, Nicole Kidman do, like, Bewitched. I mean, it is crazy just to think that Kristen Stewart probably is the, the highest-paid, most successful queer actor of our generation. So I guess that's something to want when you go see a film. Everyone's also loving this film. Like, I've seen so many good write-ups about it. And really? Yes. Is this getting reviews? It's getting great reviews. It's like this sweet, light-hearted comedy for, like, you know, everyone to go and see and connect with their parents around. And I'm like, who is this for? Who is writing these articles? But also, like, I don't know. I just, um, I feel differently about Christmas movies in general, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> talk. But I just think everyone should watch Personal Shopper instead. Or The Undoing. And I think maybe we'll feel differently about Happier Season once this lunar eclipse is over. Tonight, what I say is just at 8.30 tonight, sit down and watch a movie. Don't get in your car. I'm only just realising now, I'm so late to this, but Get Out is actually such a brilliant movie. <laughs> oh my god. But I don't know, like obviously, socially... And in, no, but I, I know, 2020. I know that... I know, Andre loves Get Out. No, 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 no. I know that, obviously, the message behind Get Out is super important. Yes. And that's, and that's one, one level to read. Yes. But... Beyond that, as a piece of writing and as a piece of like character study oh. and study in dialogue and conversation, it's so beyond so many films that get put out. And I think in this, but this this movie suffers from the same thing that Get Out suffered from, which is like a Hollywood third act that doesn't hit. Oh. Don't you find like Get Out just kind of ends, no, and then not... so does Happy Season. It's like, wait, what? Like that's not how this was going to end. This isn't. It's. It, I, I know what you mean. It's a little bit too like short, sharp of a yeah. finish after this long, drawn, like, Stressful, oral, audio-visual... Like, the stakes yeah. are high in this. Yep. Oh, mm. okay. Interesting. Mm. Anyway. All right. Well, 
I think that brings us to the end of Movies, Movies, Movies today. Tune in next week. We've got a very special spotlight for you prepared. You can listen back to Movies, 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 wherever you get your podcasts from. Just look up FBI Radio and it'll be right there for you. And before we head off, next week we have an interview and a giveaway. So y'all want to tune in for that because... uh, We've got the goods. We've got the the Christmas gifts. uh, It's embarrassing that you you beat me to that, but (laughs) it did happen. It's real. And a huge shout out to William in Young over Wiradjuri. The worst time. I'm so sorry. The worst time to fluff a word on Wiradjuri land. William in Young, Baller, thank you so much for texting in. My name's Maya Billick. This song has a language warning. It's by West Side Gun. It's called Ocean Prime. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.